1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter. Juan is a recovering MarTech consultant turned creator who writes an amazing weekly newsletter about the MarTech industry, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. All right, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Juan Mendoza, the author of the MarTech Weekly Newsletter.
3: Hello, hello, MarTechers. My name is Juan Mendoza from the MarTech Weekly, and we are discussing B2B tech content marketing challenges and MarTech commoditization. If you didn't catch our episode yesterday, we talked about how B2B tech companies can level up their content marketing but joining me is Joe Zappa, the CEO and founder of Sharpen Media, which consists of Wall Street Journal reporters, CMOs, Ivy League, PhDs, renowned business writers, and veteran content strategists. Their North Star is to transform you into your customer's only option through a bespoke three-stage approach to content marketing and public relations. Yesterday, Joe and I talked about the problems of B2B tech content marketing approach, but today we're shifting gears and I want to talk about how can MarTech avoid commoditization? So here is our second conversation with Joe Zappa, the CEO and founder of Sharp Pen Media. Great to have you back, Joe. Thanks so much for having me again. Great to be here. Awesome. Now let's dive into this topic. How do you define the commoditization of MarTech tools? What's going on in the industry in the space? Can you maybe unpack the concept for us a little bit? Commoditization
2: to me is just when people don't view your solution as unique. In our industry, we all make sense of it by relying on categories of technologies, right? So CRM, CDP, DMP, whatever it is. And commoditization happens when people think, oh, I, what are you? You're a CDP? Okay, I know seven others. You're just one in the bunch. And I think the main marketing challenge for MarTech companies after they establish a baseline level of awareness, which is the first challenge in the early days, is precisely commoditization. It's how do we figure out whom we and we alone are perfect for and how do we make that case to them, which is also why, as you said in the intro, I like to use the catchphrase of becoming your customer's only option.
3: So becoming your customer's only option in a sea where there is now more than 11,000 solutions and categories like customer data platforms, which we mentioned yesterday briefly, one of those categories where every man, woman, child, their dog and their neighbor has a CDP. It is a bit tough to actually break through that bland commoditized space. When I think of commodities, I think of in my grocery store anyway, there's literally 12 or 15 different brands of peanut butter on the shelf. And I look at them all and they'll basically sell the same thing. It's crushed peanuts with some oil in a jar. You know, that's how I look at it. It's like completely done. There's nothing new there. It's peanut butter forever. And there's just going to be many, many brands trying to battle that out to get customers in a saturated marketplace. Is that how you see it? I mean, is it a factor of the market just becoming stuffed with too many options? Is that the problem? I think that kind of is the problem,
2: but it's also that, well, first of all, a lot of MarTech companies, funnily enough, because it's marketing technology, don't believe in marketing. But then once you do, it becomes a question of, okay, not just on product features, which we discussed yesterday, but on our mission and the feel of our brand and the way we show up on Twitter and on LinkedIn and the public places where audiences, how do we stand out and make our target audience feel like we are for them? So one way I think you can do that, which is a classic, is industry specialization. If you're talking about CDPs, you could be the CDP
3: for healthcare companies.
2: That's a pretty obvious way to go about
3: it. I guess to get away from the noise, are you saying that one good strategy is to focus on a specific vertical, say CDPs for healthcare or for retail, just focus on that specific group and their specific needs? That makes sense, but it also limits your growth because there's only so many healthcare companies in the world.
2: Yeah. And so a lot of companies, they do that, right? And then they get to 5 million or whatever it is. And then they're like, and now we are for these other industries that are adjacent to healthcare, which is understandable, very, very typical. The other way to do it is to focus on the uniqueness of your customers and what makes them love you, probably based on some detail of your product, as opposed to your rivals. So let me give you a concrete example. One of our marketing strategists is uh, Paul Connecton, who is the CMO of Beeswax, you know, the DSP slash bitter as a service. And what Paul discovered at beeswax was that the customers who got through the sales process most efficiently and were happiest with beeswax most successful with the platform were what they came to call control freaks they were companies like an uber that have big data science teams and that really want to like get into the weeds of a dsp or like an ad buying technology so they actually started reworking their messaging and their content and pr to focus on that To say, like, we are essentially, we are the DSP for control freaks and the brilliance of that kind of approach is that it's a little bit controversial and it's going to turn away a lot of people, right? Like a lot of potential buyers are gonna see that messaging and they're gonna feel almost insulted. They're gonna be like, I'm not a control freak. I don't wanna use this. But for the 20% who love that, who are like, hell yeah, I'm a control freak. I'm a data nerd and I wanna get in there. Then they speak to those people and they attract the right prospects, they sell easier and the customers stay longer, which is really the dream of non-commoditized marketing.
3: Yeah, that's a great example, right? Because it's also very funny and it really speaks not to the business, not to the tech, but to the person. And tell you, I often say to myself, and this is my next question for you when we get into this next bit, is that one principle I bring into any advice around B2B marketing is not to talk to the business, not to talk to the money, talk about the person's career. And an example I give constantly is Dreamforce and Salesforce. Dreamforce is actually happening while we're having this conversation in the middle of September here in 2023. But Salesforce, Dreamforce, and Trailblazer is like three legs on a stool. you got the technology that enables a person to have a successful career. Trailblazer gives you the skills and the abilities and the knowledge to build a great career. And Dreamforce is where you meet people and do networking to, again, build your career. And the thing that I think Salesforce has done brilliantly beyond all the other stuff they've done is that they've been able to really hone in on the person's career. You know how important our careers are to us it's the way we put the bread on the table it's the way that we fund our lifestyles it's the way that we are able to make rent it's the thing that we spend our most of our waking days on so why would we, like differentiating through focusing on the people's needs like the actual person interpersonal needs as opposed to their business needs is i, I think a quite an interesting strategy to employ but i am interested like what are your principles when you're talking with a client and you're working through okay how do you differentiate in a commoditized market what are some principles that you bring to the table So one way that I like to think about this is a
2: lot of companies, they want to make themselves the hero of the story. So I once edited a piece of content for a company that was describing themselves as making the impossible possible. And besides being cliche and a little, as the kids say, cringe, that's just you are making yourself the hero of the story, right? You're telling the customer We're going to come in and we're going to do these stupendous, unimaginable things for you. And I think like marketing is more effective when you help the customer understand, like through our technology, you are going to be a hero to your company. Like if you're a publisher, like ad tech tool, for example, right? And you have a solution that helps ad ops people sort through all of their data and make big changes at work, right? Like they're able to increase their revenue by 10% or whatever it is. The way you're going to tell that story is not by talking about like the power of your data solution and how amazing it is. You're going to talk about Free up your day, stop doing rote tasks, and increase your revenue by 10%. You have to get to what about the technology makes your users and your decision makers' lives better. And I do think that is one tricky element of this that I just stumbled upon, which is often you do have to talk to multiple layers of people with MarTech solutions, right? Because the buyer isn't always the user. But that's the kind of thing I would think about.
3: Yeah, that's right. And there's all kinds of tactics and heuristics. You could use loss aversion, like buy our tech and you'll be able to safeguard your data as an example. You know, So loss aversion is one playing into, and it sounds bad, but like playing into people's greed and drive revenue or destroy the competition and be the biggest and be the best. That aspiration is another aspect. Social proof and FOMO is another one. Don't be like all the other boring companies that don't use our software. There's all kinds of fascinating psychological heuristics you can employ to differentiate. You don't necessarily need to have new tech. You just have to have a better message sometimes.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, a CRO, Mark Schwartz, whom I was talking to recently, he said history is littered with tech companies that had the best technology in their category and failed because they did not resonate with customers. Because the harsh reality of it is that your customer isn't usually getting into all of the products before they choose one. So they're going to go on relationships and marketing and reputation. And that stuff doesn't always correlate perfectly to the quality of the product. So that goes back to what we've been talking about across the two episodes, which is differentiation, figuring out where your customer is and reaching them consistently. And then finally, content creation. That's the last part that comes after you really understand Like, you should be able to write a two-page Google Doc on who is our customer, what's their deal, what do they want in life, do they have kids. All of these, like, seemingly extraneous details help you really dial in on that control freak type messaging, that level of granularity that allows you to speak to the person and not to some amorphous B2B buyer.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know.
3: The amorphous B2B buyer, someone in a gray suit sitting in a cubicle somewhere, that's not your customer. Your customer's probably on a Zoom call right now and their kids burst in and then they start screaming because of something. And then after that, they've got to go cook dinner. That's your buyer, right? That's a person that in between distractions of life and everything else that's going on, they're trying to also buy technology and make it work in their business. I would say uh, Naval Ravikant actually once said, this entrepreneur investor, he said that people are multivariate. People have many different roles in life, not just their one role. So you could really leverage and speak to that in the content marketing because it's the one person that's consuming the content. And there's a lot of really great value there to differentiate by speaking to the people and their specific needs and their situation.
2: Yeah, like you could have a solution that saves time and your manager level buyer or the person who's actually using the solution might be a manager. And that's crucial to that. That's what they care about. The CRO might not care at all about saving time. They're just going to care about revenue. That's also where it's important to understand, you know, who are the multiple personas and what message are we crafting? And then also, which persona is most vital and where are we reaching that? Because the content you create will differ based on where you're putting it and which persona is in that place. I do different content for Twitter than I do for LinkedIn, because those audiences are different. The people who interact with my content are different. So that's the type of thing you need to understand as well.
3: So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about, we talk about messaging and product and being relatable and resonant and cutting through the noise of commoditized MarTech. I want to get a view from you. You know the industry pretty well. You've been across the landscape. You're working in so many spaces in MarTech. What are some recent examples of innovative solutions that have really turned heads? They've got that right, new tech or new solutions, but also the message that has that relevancy and that really stands out. Have you got some examples of some really cool companies that are doing that right now? Something
2: that caught my attention this week was Critio's Commerce Max announcement. So they had this announcement about allowing buyers to access retail media across walled gardens. The reason I thought this was interesting, and this isn't necessarily a stunning marketing sleight of hand, but it struck me as a product that's actually important because I think one of the biggest things that everyone's been talking about in ad tech and Martech is this commerce media phenomenon. And I think the big challenge with it is going to be, okay, so all of these different first party data owners have their own walled garden now. They have their own media network. That's great. But that's going to be really annoying for buyers. That's going to create a landscape where it's the same problem that premium traditional publishers have faced. Everyone knows they have good data, but their audience, unless they're like Amazon or Walmart, their audience is relatively small. It's just way easier to go to the top two or three media owners and go talk to their audiences. And they have like very sophisticated ad tech, too. So this struck me as a solution that came across the transom today that whether people use critia for it or not is going to be important because you're going to need technology that allows buyers to easily transact across all of these first-party data-enabled audience environments.
3: There's something in this with the trends that are coming out. How do you fit your messaging and your value proposition in the stream of a really hot topic? And you mentioned before, third-party cookies going away is one of those hot topics everyone's talking about. But within that, in retail media and commerce media is another one. Within that, though, brands can actually find a wedge where they can garner some news and particularly with getting attention from media and PR. It's like, oh, actually, this is a trend that you've been covering for a long time as a media organization. As a software business, this is a solution that we just came out with. or here's a product, or here's a guide for these specific things. So there's definitely opportunities, even though people are talking about everything to uniquely insert yourself with your product launches there. So it's a great example from Creteo.
2: Yeah, Criteo is a good example. They didn't start out as a commerce media ad tech company, obviously, and they've become sort of synonymous with that space. And I think we're also part of leading the charge of shifting from retail media to commerce media, thinking of it as a broader phenomenon, which obviously now like ride hailing apps, and again, everyone and their mom is standing up a media network. So I've had clients in the past, like this is an issue that often comes up in marketing, where they don't understand if they don't directly play in the space where a big hot trend is happening, they don't understand why they would ever talk about it. Like right now, what are the big trends in ad tech and martech? It's privacy, CTV, commerce media, I would say are probably the three biggest things. And a lot of companies who are not directly playing in one of those three spaces will not understand. They'll ask, like, why would we ever talk about any of those things? And it's because you don't have the privilege of saying we're doing this thing and now everyone should pay attention to it. The industry conversation is focused on these three topics. So get involved in the conversation if it's adjacent to what you do. Grab people's attention. Have them view you as an authority on ad tech and martech. And then people will pay attention when you have a big announcement about your product or your specific space. Like This is how relationships are formed, audiences are built, and products transcend commoditization. It's usually not through product differentiation or we have this feature and they have that feature. It really is through the ability to command attention. And that happens when you participate consistently in the industry conversation beyond just the scope of your product.
3: And on that high note, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks so much to Joe Zappa, not to be confused with Frank Zappa. Joe Zappa is a CEO and founder at Sharp Pen Media. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Joe, you can find his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also direct message him on Twitter or follow him there at Joe underscore Zappa or lowercase or visit his company website at sharppenmedia.com. Joe, thank you for this fascinating conversation. Juan, thank you so much for having me on.
1: Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Juan Mendoza, the author of the Martech Weekly Newsletter. If you'd like to get in touch with Juan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Juan Mendoza, but it's spelled crazy pants. It's J-U-4-N-M-E-N-D-0-Z-4. Or it's a little easier to just visit his company's website, which is themartechweekly.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.